You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toft and Paul Catherall. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, but today it is going to have a fire because we have Megan Burns with us for part two she came back and actually joined us. She, she, she said, yes, I'm so happy. Uh, I'm going to steal Paul's thunder just a second. And I know I'm buzzing. Paul, are you buzzing today? Because this one's going to be really good. Yeah, I am buzzing. Although, Neil, I have to say, your dad joke then was possibly one of the worst dad jokes I've heard in a long, long time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Megan Burns, welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires, despite our bad humor. We are so happy to have you. Welcome uh, to the show. It's okay. I'm thrilled to be here. So Megan is joining us uh, for the second time. We had a chance to interview her as part of the uh, AMA Cincinnati's Ignite event. She was a keynote speaker then, and we convinced her to come back and join us for, for an extended play uh, interview with us, and that is what we're going to do today. The title of today's session, which, by the way, is Season 2, Episode 25, audience, uh, this session is about the past, present, and future of CX, part Two, because we've got to part one in our in our initial interview. By the way, for those of you that are going to Apple Podcasts or to Spotify or wherever you consume this content, check out that first interview. We had a really kind of quick uh, dusting of things with her, talking about past, present, and future. That's where we get to delve into a little bit more today uh, with 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 part two. Um, for those that are not yet familiar with Megan, I as I as I'd like to do with the guests that uh, just have these great profiles and are putting out amazing content and thought leadership. I want you to follow Megan on LinkedIn and on social media. Megan Burns is the customer experience and culture strategist for 14, Fortune 1000 companies. She is a keynote speaker. Megan is also the founder and principal of Experience Enterprises, and she was the vice president and principal analyst customer experience at Forrester Research. So we have a, uh, a thought leader extraordinaire in our midst. Um, I want to ask you, Megan, what is the past? What is the present and what is the future of CX? Okay, I assume you want me to start with the past. I'll go in in chronological order. Um, I, when AMA asked me to talk about this concept of the past, present, and future of customer experience, I decided really early on not to talk about the nature of customer interactions themselves because everybody knows that in 2006 when I started, there was no iPhone, right? And things have gotten more digital and more mobile and all of that. So what I focus on is what's the past, present, and future of companies' attitude toward and activities around customer experience and how have they evolved in the last 15 years? And when I first started in 2006, 2007, uh, I talk about that period as the awakening because companies were just starting and, and certainly not all companies were just starting to think about this idea of customer experience uh, as more than just usability or customer service. And there were some forces that were, um, that were pushing that. When the iPhone came out, it made user experience and the concept of differentiating on experience, that was suddenly something consumers knew about and every, everybody was talking about. Um, we were starting to see the rise of social media. And so the implications of one bad customer interaction were 
magnified. So people were starting to think, okay, well, maybe we ought to pay attention to this. Um, but what really hit the accelerator was the Great Recession. I call that period the scramble. Because what happened was companies couldn't throw money at growth. They couldn't just acquire new customers. So suddenly they had to think, start to think about and in a very real way, well, how do we keep the customers we have? How do we create an experience that makes them want to stay? And at that point, most of them didn't even have like a customer feedback program, a, a voice, voice of the customer program, things we take for granted now. Um, that was not, you'd be shocked if I told you some of the brands that didn't have even basic customer feedback. So from 2008 to 2012 uh, was really companies scrambling to get that in place. 2011, 2012, as the economy started to come out of things, we saw what I call um, the decision or the inflection point. Companies had to decide, were they going to go back to you know, be happy with what they were doing? All right, we have a survey. That's good enough. Let's go back to business as usual. Or were they really going to embrace this concept of customer experience and customer centricity and transform the business around it. And so that's when we started to see a split in the level of investment and also the level of um, uh, level of results that companies were starting to see. And I took over the customer experience index in 2011. So it was really interesting for me to start to see companies whose scores were changing. Like I fly Delta Airlines. I started flying Delta because their score went from United and American territory to JetBlue and Southwest territory. And I wanted to see for myself if it was real. And so I started flying Delta and now I'm a loyal Delta customer, in addition to being a huge fan of their customer experience transformation. Um, in 2016, 2016 to 2019, uh, is a period that I call the bandwagon. Because as people started to see these companies that were really thriving by putting customer experience first or differentiating on customer experience, um, digital experiences, suddenly everybody and everything was customer experience. Every vendor who, you know, tech vendor who did a tiny little piece of it um, was calling themselves a customer experience technology and still is, quite frankly. And in 2020, when the pandemic hit, uh, I call that the reckoning. Because what happened was, depending on where you were and where you landed during the decision times, Companies that made the decision to lean into customer experience were the ones that were much better able to adapt and to handle the pandemic. Customers already genuinely thought that they cared. And so even when they had problems, people were, were more forgiving, but they also tended to have made more investment in infrastructure. So we've been kind of facing this, this reckoning period um, where some of the companies that didn't take it as seriously are now going, okay, if we didn't before, we have to now. And so the future is is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I hope um, that we see another big lift in companies really committing to customer experience, but to be determined. 
to be determined. Wow. So this gives us lots to think about. Um, if I look at things like, and, and our audience has probably heard me mention this many times, uh, I like to refer to uh, the customer rage study, which was uh, been put together by a gentleman named John Goodman, who was a guest on our show. And the customer rage study started in 1976, when who the heck even knew what even a call center barely was. I mean, this you know, that was yeah. really pioneering territory. And here we are. I think their last study was in 2019 or not 2020. Um, and essentially what it showed is that customer experience and rage is worse than it was. It's gotten progressively worse. And it's ironic because just of the things that you've described, we went through this, and I love the way you, you categorized it in terms of history and, and put it in terms of dates and, and timeline. Um, companies, it seems, it seems are obviously paying more attention. The industry has been birthed and exploded. Uh, it seems like everyone and their mother is doing something related to customer experience on paper. That's wonderful. Our industry is, is in this massive growth spurt. There's now these things called CXOs and, and, and so many companies have adapted to that mindset. But what's going to happen? We have more and more technology, more and more industry, more and more people in our industry, more and more channels, more and more metrics. And yet the customer experience isn't really lifting. Is it a reason to feel pessimistic or, or, or am I I'm being overdramatic here? You're not being overdramatic, but I think it's a reality that we have to accept, which is the better we get, the more customers will expect us to be that good, right? And that's just, that's how human brains work. It's called the hedonic treadmill. And, uh, you know, we didn't, it was, it was absolutely mind blowing if somebody had uh, a mobile website 10 years ago, now it's like, what do you mean you don't have a mobile friendly website? Like, so that process is going to continue to happen. I think there are also some companies that are bigger and, and slower to do this because they are bigger. Um, we're getting to, um, when I talk to folks about what is your customer experience strategy for a lot of folks, the first step is just be less bad, right? before you worry about being good and how good to be with your brand, let's focus on being less bad. And there are companies that still have a lot of work to do because of their complexity, because of their technology around um, how to be less bad and less frustrating. Uh, and so the interplay of those two things, um, I, I think it was Mercedes, they benchmarked themselves against uh, Starbucks and Whole Foods not against other car companies or not just against other car companies because Starbucks and Whole Foods are the companies that their target market is interacting with daily that is pushing forward the expectations around how you treat a customer that they then project on on everybody else so i think it's a i think it's a challenge i think it's a reason to really um step up and work on solving some of these bigger problems uh, but it's also a recognition that this is a never-ending, I always tell people when they launch battle. their customer, it's a battle. Um, I tell people when they launch their customer experience program, you are running the first lap around a track you will never stop running. I really like the expression you just used. And by the way, it appeared last week, uh, Jim Tincher used this expression. How do we suck less? And we laugh at it and we, we kind of cringe and we laugh and it's funny. It, it's definitely funny, but there's some truth to it, right? Like 
I think there's there's something admirable, perhaps, in being able to admit, okay, this is a battle. This is a never end. Sorry, not battle. Let's use your analogy. It's a track. It may never end. We're going to always be on it. We're not going to win this race, but let's figure out how to be a little bit more fit, uh, how to improve our time, how to put on some better running shoes to be better prepared to make this race suck less or this loop suck less. Am I oversimplifying that? No, I, I, I don't think you are at all. And I think one of the things that's worth noting is where we are in sort of the arc of customer experience. Um, companies were not set up, very few of them, thinking of their primary output or the thing they sell as an experience. Disney was, uh, Apple was to a certain extent, even though they sell products. Um, but there is a transition that is happening from companies going from thinking them, of themselves as product companies and even service companies to experience companies. And there is an architecture for that. And there is a certain way of organizing and working where you kind of major in experiences and minor in products. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to see more companies moving that way so that the idea of managing experiences is kind of the, the core competency. Um, there's a there's a cultural resistance. It's it's different. It's harder, quite frankly. Um, but I do think there's going to be a fairly big and there already has been a fairly big sort of sea change in how companies view what business they're even in. OK, wait, you just said something that absolutely opened my eyes. And I don't know if you created that phrase or expression. Did you just say majoring in experiences and minoring in products? Yes. That's what I, I heard, did. right? Wow, I love that. That's your expression. That's wow, that's wonderful. I don't think it was inspired by anybody else. It may well have been. And if I think of who, I will absolutely give credit where credit is due. But when I when I talk to companies about transforming culture, um, one of my principles is always that it's never black and white, right? I'm a, I think false dichotomies are really dangerous. And so I always say to people, if you're going to reorganize around managing experiences, it's not like you're going to stop caring about products. You can't, but it's it's emphasis. And so I, that's the easiest analogy I could come up with was a, a major versus a minor. I love it. Majoring in experiences, minoring in products. Wonderful. Um, I want to ask you, I want to be respectful of your time because while I have three hours of questions, uh, we're not going to keep you for three hours. I want to ask you what what I what I'm dying to ask you, but what I think our audience would likely ask you in some expression, and it's the following: Given everything we've just talked about about present and future, and how this is a never-ending loop on the track, and we should, as companies, many of us try to figure out how to be less bad or suck less. This is this is hard. What is the role of automation in this? Is automation going to let me let me rephrase it should automation be a way for us to suck less and be less bad or is that totally uh misportrayed that automation is a way out of this automation is not a way out of this it is a potentially powerful tool when used right right because ultimately and this is the thing that people don't always think about, right? Customer needs and, and goals haven't really changed that much. You know, whether it was stopping at a tavern on the um, 
uh, Route 66 or ordering from Uber Eats or Blue Apron, your goal is to get dinner on the table, right? So those basic needs haven't changed. Technology can facilitate that. And to the extent that it can automate things so that they can be done on a bigger scale, um, so that they can be done more consistently. I mean, we humans are not, consistency is not our strong suit, right? So if we can, we can do things consistently, uh, if they're enablers of good things, that all absolutely contributes. I think what people don't think about and need to recognize is that like artificial intelligence, bots and things like that, that's not a customer experience innovation. That's a technology innovation because ideally when it works right, the customer can't tell that they're talking to a bot. They feel like they're talking to a human. So the experience is exactly the same. It's just cheaper and easier to execute at scale with no less quality. Sorry. But there's value in that, right? Like if, if, it, oh, yeah. if it's faster, if it's cheaper and doesn't suck more, it's a win, isn't it? Yeah. And it's the, and doesn't suck more part that's hard. Now, some people will tell you that you call a call center and you get a human and you feel like you're talking to a robot, right? So there's a little work to be done on either side. Um, but no, I don't think technology is bad. Um, I think it's a tool and our ability to use it to solve this problem depends on our ability to stay focused on what the human beings we are serving actually want to experience. Excellent. I am left with no fewer than two dozen more questions that I want to ask you, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to stay on point here and, and, and try to move through the rest of the podcast because I want to ask you the questions that we ask each of our guests because I have had the privilege of seeing what your responses I think are going to be, and I want our audience to have a, a chance to share on these. We always like to ask our guests three things, first of which is a CX myth that you would like to bust in all of your experience and, and the work that you've done and types of companies you've worked with, I imagine you come in contact and come across lots of myths, have a chance to break and bust a lot of them. What is one of those myths that most stands out to you that you would like to really take that ax to and just hack away at? It's the myth that you have to wow every customer every time. Um, you know, people say that because they think it's motivating. Uh, but if you're, I have friends and family who are directly on the front lines of retail and customer service. And, and I can tell you that that is not motivating to them. That is an, an imperfect standard they will never reach. Um, it's also not accurate from a, from a psychology perspective, right? People like consistency. I don't necessarily order from Amazon because I'm going to get a wow experience every time, but I know I can count on them. And I know they'll give me a good experience and they have strategically improved. So when I talk to companies about, well, then what should you do? I always tell them that the goal should be a customer experience that is consistently good and strategically amazing. I love this. I, I, this I'm, I'm injecting my own opinion here on this, which I normally <laughs> don't on this part of the podcast, but I will share it. I hate the concept wow of wow and of delight. I think they are... Um, total BS, for lack of a better expression. They are unattainable for most of our organizations, and they should not be attainable. They're the 
exception, not the rule. The rule should be what you just described. Yeah. Be consistent, be good. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Let's move mm -hmm. on to the second part of, of this final third. Uh, you have some CX quotes that you want to share. And you're going to do something, by the way, which uh, I think you might be the, the pioneer in this. You're going to do something in who you're going to quote, which has never been done on this program before, which I love. Please fire away CX quotes. And share with us, of course, who the originator of these quotes is. Sure. So I asked you, is it okay if I quote myself? Um, and I rarely do that, which is frankly something that I need to work on. And there are lots of great people that have said things, but I've also seen a couple phrases I use that when I say them, I see light bulbs going off in clients' heads. So that's what I want to share. Um, the first one is that customer experience is the eat healthy and exercise of the business world. Everybody knows it's important, and on some level, they know what they should do, but they still need help doing it, and motivation isn't enough. Love this. By the way, it's absolutely okay that you quote yourself, because if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, okay, this is a great quote. <laughs> Customer experience is the eat healthy and exercise of the business world. People know it's important, but motivation isn't enough. I love this. Powerful. Well, and it, it came from, uh, you know, I, I came up with that in part from going from a time where we couldn't get people to pay attention and people didn't want to, to we successfully convinced people that this mattered and they wanted to and it still wasn't working. So it's like, okay, there's got to be a, a different problem. And the second quote is actually a, a direct follow up to that, which is that scale creates problems that empathy can't solve. Explain in a big enough company, in a big enough system, you can have, and it's not, it doesn't even have to be that big. You can have the most caring, customer-centric, well-meaning people um, who can't collaborate with people they don't even know exist, right? It's not that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. The right hand doesn't even know that the left hand exists. When I was at AT&T, we had a vendor that actually had a conference to bring all of the groups within AT&T that were using their software together because we had never met, we didn't even know about each other. Crazy. Um, and that's important because a lot of CX programs focus on sort of engagement and motivation and energy, which is great. But then you have to think about, okay, how do we take the people that are like, I would love to do this if you would just X, Y, and Z, and start to build those systems that enable them to do the things that they would intrinsically do um, if they weren't in an environment that made it impossible. Super, thank you for sharing that. Let's move on to the final part of this section, which is who are your CX heroes? And I'll also share that because I've had a chance to know ahead of time what I think you're going to say, this is a special one. So my CX hero is all of the people who are on the front lines. And I mentioned this earlier, I have friends and family, uh, many of them who have been on the front lines of retail and customer service and things from for many years. And I've always thought that um, they weren't necessarily treated with enough respect or given enough credit for um, the good that they do, but also for the challenge that they face. But particularly in the past year of the pandemic, uh, I heard stories about managers who had to deal with uh, irate customers uh, 
And I was like, okay, so that's a Tuesday, right? It's a specific instance of a situation that happens all the time that people have to deal with. And so the ability to manage that and deliver, especially when customers are quite frankly becoming more entitled and, and more rude, um, the number of people who do it right and who, because they do it right, go completely unnoticed, uh, it's a shame. Yeah. This is going back to the previous uh, statement you made about empathy. This is where one where empathy is important. And empathy should be introduced at a more of a scale. Uh, empathy of the work that the frontline employees have to deal with and go through. And those of us that lead the frontline employees need to have vis-a-vis uh, -vis our interactions with our the people that work for on behalf of us. Yeah, one of my family members said to me once, and she was only half kidding, um, somebody like you told somebody at corporate that we should do X, Y, Z, and now I have to waste two hours doing this stupid thing that isn't going to actually improve customer experience. And I love that because that keeps me real and that keeps me focused on things that are actually doable and on things that are going to uh, move the needle generally not as fast as corporate folks would like, um, but things that represent the reality of what happens on the ground. Someone like you, that's a powerful statement, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a big finger point. Someone yeah. like you, with the emphasis on the pointing finger, kind of looking at you between your face and your chest, someone like doing this, poking at you. Yeah. Uh, and and they're absolutely right to do that because thought leadership is only valuable if the thoughts can end up translating into real life. They don't work in theory land. Well so that's my challenge. Well stated. Megan, I have a concluding thought. I was wrong about you. And I will oh. say this. When we had our last interaction with you, I thought she's going to be a really good guest. We got to get her on. Hopefully she'll say yes to us. But guess what? I was wrong. You were a fantastic guest and you knocked it out of the park. Uh, we are so grateful to have you. Uh, these are thought provoking ideas. The only thing that I regret here is not having more time to ask you questions, but that's going to lead me to the next thing I want to ask you, which is, will you come back at some other point and share more about present and future as we go through and have some more time, but we would love to have you come back and join us at another, another point in the future. Absolutely. I love talking about this. I do this work because I'm passionate about it. So I would be delighted to come back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for leaving us with some great thoughts, thought provoking, uh, as always. By the way, if I can ask you to put you on the spot, uh, where can audience and fans and followers find you next? Do you have a, a next keynote and that's next project, the next piece of content to look forward to something that um, that uh, the audience can look forward to to consuming? Um, the best place to, to go is LinkedIn. That's where I tend to post things. Something you can check out every week. I run a series called Word Nerd Wednesday. I'm a big fan of the power of language as a change agent. And so you can look for next Wednesday, what is the, I, pu I put out a word and I either talk about the, um, the history or the origin, or I really challenge people to think about well, what does this actually mean? Um, so that's probably the most immediate next content. Um, you can also, Megan, 
dashburns.com, M-E-G-A-N, dashburns.com is my website. And any new videos or anything I post there, um, that's where they'll end up. Super. Uh, Megan, you've been a rock star. You've been a keynote. You've been fantastic. And like I said, uh, a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for joining us. Audience, if you like this content, and you better like this content, admit I love this content. Uh, give us a rate interview on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate this. Uh, and share your feedback with us. We want to know how to get better and be a better generator of content and thought leadership for you. Uh, once again, this is Season 2, Episode 25, The Past, Present, and Future of CX Part 2 with Megan Burns signing off. Thank you so much. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.